For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. I'm meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. And I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags. This is a podcast all about weather. We are two broadcast meteorologists in Dayton, Ohio. And we just can't stop talking about weather. So when we're not on TV, we figured why not jump behind the mic to answer your weather questions and talk about all things meteorology. Now remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. Special week this week. I got a new friend in my family. I know. And <laughs> this friend is very cute. It is. Uh, I got a puppy, my husband and I. Um, he is a mini golden doodle. He is so precious and stole our hearts. <laughs> yes. McCall already has a dog named Mischief, who mm-hmm. is absolutely adorable as well. Mischief's a little older and wiser, though. <laughs> yeah. Very old, very wise, has been through a lot. We uh, actually adopted him from Queens, New York, and wow. he, you know, was found on the streets, picked up by the, Aww. you know, the dog catcher, then was in a foster home, and then we picked him up at like four years old and have had him for about nine years now. Wow. Yeah. But tell us about your dog and oh. what is your dog's name? All right. My name, my dog's name is Hubert, but we call him Hubie. <laughs> if he's being a bad boy, we'll call him Hubert. <laughs> but to be honest, he's actually been really good. Um, he's a mix. His mom is a golden shepherd and an Aus- or a golden retriever, an Australian shepherd. And then his father was a mini dude or a mini poodle. So adorable mix. Um, he's not going to get super big. And mm-hmm. it's actually the first dog that I've ever owned. I grew up, we didn't have a puppy or a dog or anything. We had a cat. Um, my husband has always had dogs growing up. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we got married, he just he started sending me adorable dog pictures. And I'll say that, you know, Kirsty was a little, you know, hesitant. concerned and hesitant <laughs> about uh, having a dog because she's never had one. And, yes. you know, was a little worried how she was going to be with a dog. And that maternal instinct, you are just doing great. Yeah, kicks in. He's my little buddy. So... Really, really excited that that is completely not weather related. No, that is, but we like to hear a little he bit about our, our Storm lives. Center Seven dog. <laughs> <laughs> he's the new uh, he's the new Storm Tracker dog that we have uh, in the weather department. I do hope to bring him to work one day. That'd be really well, fun. We're gonna just hide him in the drawer yeah. because yeah. He's, he's so, so cute. And when you have a very stressful day, right? You just pet him. Just pet him. So precious. I mean, some places of work have animals. Right. Like, I the very first job that I had was at a radio station, mm-hmm. and they had a cat. Herman that walked around and had free reign. Yeah, he had free reign and he was so pleasant. And of course, anytime I was eating lunch, uh, especially tuna fish, he would you know come over and visit and just sit in my lap. And you know, I have a a minor allergy to cats, but not enough that I don't love them. Aw, yeah, gotta love all animals. All right. So, speaking of animals, our guest actually has four doggies. They're absolutely adorable. Yeah, I'll let him talk about them briefly as well. Um, But this special man is Don Parker. We Uh, love Don. Yeah, he is a very important part of the Dayton community, especially in our weather world, um, because he is one of the coordinators uh, for Dayton Skywarn. So the Skywarn network of um, trained storm spotters, ham radio operators, 
Uh, Don can do it all. He has worked in the past uh, in emergency services. And then, of course, he's also a ham radio operator. So it really, really unique stuff. Um, these guys get to work in our building, which mm-hmm. is really nice to kind of be able to pass a lot of weather information and firsthand storm reports, things of that nature. It definitely helps us do our jobs better. But um, I want to turn over and say hi to Don. He's sitting right next to me. Hi, hey, Don. Good morning. How are you, young ladies? We're good. good. So, Don, since we're talking about dogs, you have to tell McCall about your puppies. Uh, well, my dogs are Chinese crested. Oh. They're hairless. I was going to say, aren't those <laughs> yeah. hairless dogs? They're hairless. <laughs> and they get to wear jammies all year round because uh, they'll sunburn easily. Oh, my. And uh, in the wintertime, they wear a heavier outfit, usually a hooded, mm-hmm. uh, so you can pull it up over their ears and keep them warm oh. when you take them oh. outside. That's How cute. many of them do you have? Uh, there's four. They're so cute. What are their names? Yeah. Their names, uh, Elliot's my boy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. McKenna, Riley, and Becca. Now, did you get them all at the same time, or was this like... Over pretty, years. Pretty much got all four of them from two different breeders, one in North Carolina, the other one up near the uh, Michigan-Ohio line, and they all had their own unique personalities. Aw, I bet. And uh, they're all about the same age, okay. 13. Oh, so they're up there, like yeah. my dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do they get along? Oh, yeah. Oh. They, they're, it's, when you talk about a pile of puppies, yeah. <laughs> they all pile together. It's so yeah, cute. we've never in 13 years we've never experienced any uh, disputes. It's unless somebody gets a little too close to the food bowl, right? Mm, yeah, then, <laughs> understandable. Yes. Other than that, no. They, you know, it's like all right, let's time to go out and yeah. open the door, and they all follow each other out. Oh, that's great. Precious. Well, thanks, Don, for telling us about your dogs. But you're going to tell us about a lot more than dogs, aren't you? Uh, we're going to talk about Skywarn and weather. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So for people that might not know what Skywarn is, just real quick, what, what is Skywarn, the Skywarn Network? Skywarn Network is a group of volunteers, primarily ham radio operators. Mm-hmm. It was uh, developed back in 1942-43 uh, where Noah worked with the military uh, to develop quicker information on storms like now out in Oklahoma and Kansas. Yeah. And uh, the na- this is a, a very large network. I'm coordinator uh, for Dayton area uh-huh. and encompasses 15 counties. And uh, so when we get uh, an activation from National Weather Service, they'll call me and uh, I activate the comm center, which is here located uh, in the Cox Media Building. Mm-hmm. You activate. So, like, this, I mean, it's a big deal when you guys are activated because the National Weather Service doesn't just call, you know, their Skywarn storm spotters for anything, right? It's got to be kind of some elevated weather, correct? Right. They have a criteria that that they look at before they activate us. And you have... um different guys for different areas. So um, I know sometimes I'm not always seeing you here, but I may see a couple of your other guys here, and and it can be dependent upon where the severe weather is expected to be? Well, it depends on who's available. We have uh, 16 members, and our comm center requires three people to operate it. Because of the large area that we cover, we have two repeaters. Uh, We have a north and a south repeater. South is out here on Channel 16 Tower. Mm -hmm. The north one is up in Shelby County on their tower. And uh, so 
it requires two different repeaters. And then the middle person you see sitting in there, he is the one that relays the information to uh, uh, National Weather Service down in Wilmington, whether it be by radio or NWS chat. Okay. How, I mean, everyone that's a part of Skywarn, they are all amateur radio operators, correct? Correct. Okay. And do you know, is there an uptick? Has your membership kind of stayed the same? I don't know if a lot of people know even what an amateur radio operator is. So maybe let's start off with that a little bit. Well, we're uh, people who've, uh, excuse me, who've uh, challenged or studied and challenged the test to get our uh, different levels of ham radio. There's technician, general, and extra class. Okay. Uh, I'm an extra class, and it's it's the highest, most challenging that you can get. Wow. And most of my guys are general, extra class. So we have a lot of our people, have, they come from uh, public safety backgrounds, dispatchers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we all have an active interest in, in radio communications. Uh, one, I'm not doing this, and... I'm a team leader for Montgomery County Emergency Management uh, for the Emergency Operations Center and uh, the MCOM, which is Emergency Communications mm-hmm. Team. So what I've done is I've intermixed Skywarn, EMA, yeah. mm-hmm. and Montgomery County Aries, which is another ham radio organization, who is the support communications for the sheriff's Montgomery County Sheriff's Office. Okay. So I've kind of uh, intermixed my members right. in between each, you know, each organization. Wow. So if someone, I guess, wants to become a Skywarn member and maybe they are playing with ham radios, they're getting used to it, I guess, how do you take those tests to get like, you know, to get those different classes of ham radio operation? Well, here locally, uh, there's two main primary groups. One is Dayton Amateur Radio. Okay and uh, association and then the other one is green county currently right now green county is giving te- or giving training uh for the tech general and extra class uh i think dara is finishing up and are t- and they'll be testing soon okay. so basically what people need to do is if they go to the bellbrook amateur radio club website or bark uh-huh. and <laughs> or they go yeah we're all bark no bite nice <laughs> and if you go to uh, the uh, DARA uh, website, you can see when in classes are, are going to be scheduled, okay. and you can sign up there. Now, as far as uh, if you want to get your Skywarn Weather Spotter training class, right. we have that coming up this coming Saturday, March 10th from 9 to noon. That'll be at My Valley Hospital downtown, 1 Wyoming Street, in the Women's Berry, Berry Women's Center Mm-hmm. auditorium yes and i won't try and say it real fast again <laughs> uh but that's it's free and open to anybody and uh it's it runs about full three hours for the training wow. once you're done uh then you'll be basically your certified weather spotter yeah so but i want to bring that about because i don't want people to feel deterred from going thinking you know i i'm not I don't have a ham radio at home. Right. I'm not trained in using ham radio. But you still like those people to come in and train. And for what purpose? How can they communicate 
what is going on where they are if they don't have a ham radio. Yeah, like just the regular. So Skywarn are ham radio operators, and then the Skywarn storm spotters are volunteers, correct? Or just really any member of the public can go to this. Right. Okay. Any any member, any age, and uh, can go. And during your training, you will learn where you'll you'll receive phone numbers or emails, or Twitter, mm-hmm. or Facebook, you know, <laughs> yeah. pick, pick, pick a type of uh, social media to notify the National Weather Service in Wilmington on, on what, you're, what you're spotting. Okay. And uh, so the way our system works, each individual county, they, they have a Skywarn group or their emergency management will activate. When National Weather Service calls me to activate, we send out a text message to the everybody that's signed up in the, in the whole Maya Valley mm-hmm. area wow. and let them know that Dayton Skywarn is being activated. They then will activate their individual county Skywarn net system, and then the ham radio people report damage to them. That county reports in to us. We, we filter it and shoot it down to the National Weather Service. So as a citizen, you'll have a card, either a phone number, you know, there's multiple ways that you learn in class mm-hmm. on how to contact uh, Wilmington Weather. Yeah. And part of the class is to train people um, to know exactly what they're seeing, correct? Right. Discovers all kinds of things. Yeah. Because I know that sometimes people may have differing opinions on what type of, right, what's you know, severe, and what's severe weather they're seeing. Uh, and you help to navigate that for them. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's over a two-hour training program, mm-hmm. and they they just broken down in segments. So, yeah, um, yeah you'll when you leave, you'll have a better idea what to look for. Now, the March tenth uh, one is the one you were just talking about, but that's not the only uh, Skywarn training that you have, correct? Correct. Now we we do fifteen counties. Wow. And uh, Dark County is coming up next week, mm-hmm. and if you want to find out where the upcoming classes are. You can go to DaytonSkyWarn.org, and that'll take you to the web page. And I have a link that says NWS uh, Spotter Training. And you click on that, and that'll bring up the entire list. Or you can go to uh, Dayton SkyWarn Facebook, and it's posted on there. Nice. Yeah, so there's... you know, so of course, if you're in the Dayton area, mm-hmm. you know, you've got all the counties, of the Mi- pretty much all of them, of the Miami Valley, the chance to go to one, or maybe you missed it in your county and you could drive to another one to, to right. attend this class. But if you're outside of Ohio, or I mean, outside of the Miami Valley, sky, you know, storm spotter training for the National Weather Service goes on state to state, correct? Yes. So, you know, because we may have some people from, I don't know. Indiana that are listening and mm-hmm. maybe they want to go to their sky. So if they visit, I'm assuming weather.gov, mm-hmm. you know, and go to their local, their local weather, weather service. service. Yes. They will have posted on their weather service pages, usually right at the top, um, the links for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit more about kind of the class, I guess, Don, because even if maybe thunderstorms or severe weather makes you nervous, I've been to this class, so is McCall. I would say this is just a great educational tool for you to understand, to learn about thunderstorm development, to learn about tornadoes and severe weather and and, and hail and and all of that. So I I think this class just in general, not only to become a storm spotter, but just to learn about, you know, severe weather is a good thing. 
Yes, it is. It gives you uh, an, a good round knowledge of how these storms are going to uh, develop. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you an idea about what the weather service looks for before they actually send out a watch and a warning. And that's the other thing, too. You learn the difference between a watch and a warning. Yeah. A lot of people don't under, don't, they can't clarify it. And so uh, they go into great depths and people understand the difference. Can you, um, on a little personal note, can you talk about any instant where you were part of an event um, that sticks out in your mind? Yeah, throughout. It doesn't have to be recent. It could be at some point in your career. Xenia Tornado, 1974. Wow. Xenia Tornado, to September 2000. Uh, the Blizzard, 78. <laughs> you need were more? you an active Skywarn operator yeah. at that point, or, or was you this more in emergency, emergency services? It was, it was emergency services. Mm-hmm. How have you seen, I guess, the response for emergency personnel maybe improve over the years? Because, you know, when you have those big, severe weather events, I'm assuming the community comes together and says, okay, what can we do better? You know, what can we improve upon? Have you noticed that? <clears throat> Yes, over the years, uh, we have definitely uh, advanced our training and education. And uh, during the Miamisburg train derailment, I was there too. Um, <laughs> I When the train car started to go off, I had to evacuate all the news media that was on the bridge. And we had to basically just run and get out of there. So our communication system was left there. It was too too much to tear apart. We moved up on the on the west side of the hill to a church parking lot, and it was mobile command. I had f- five portable radios laid across the back of my car, and I was mobile command till we could get a new one established a couple hours later. And the problem with that was, Mimesburg police couldn't talk to Mimesburg fire. Nobody could talk to each other, mm-hmm. and so we were going to put together a. Um, a communications committee to try and figure out how to do that. Well, that never surfaced. Mm-hmm. So after Xenia Tornado, when I stood next to Dayton Fire Paramedics, Fairborn, Beaver Creek, and everybody else, we, were, we had to talk face-to-face. Yeah. And after that, that's when they finally moved forward. And this is in 2000. Wow. They finally moved forward and started working on being able to cross-patch, which is standard thing now. Mm-hmm. So we can put everybody on the same same channel now uh, with the new Mark's radio systems. That's, That's wonderful. Great. Yeah, so if there is, like, you know, a big event that might span city to city or might go outside of just one community, then all the emergency response can talk to each other. Right, it's things statewide. That's excellent. Yeah. Uh, a little personal note for myself and dealing with uh, Skywarn and mm-hmm. seeing how the whole process works was a few years back with the Cedarville tornado. And I remember that uh, because Skywarn was activated and they're located in the building, you guys received that report through the ham radio and then passed that message along to the National Weather Service. And we heard that coming through the ham radio. And it was yeah. interesting to see how the National Weather Service was receiving that information, and it came directly through our building and your Skywarn guys. And uh, then also just hearing the very real reports that were coming in over ham radio. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, I, I think a, gr- a great testament to what you guys are doing. Had important. you not been there, you know, 
I don't know if that information would have made it as quickly as it needed to get to the National Weather Service to issue that tornado warning. Yeah. Well, Dayton Skywarns developed after the Xenia tornado in 74. You know, it's been a nationwide uh, organization. Right. But uh, a couple of the local ham radio operators uh, who are in Xenia, and when I was there, we had no communications, <laughs> and I was stuck out in the middle of Arrowhead Flat, which is the, hurt, the, first, the worst to be hit, and no, no communications. And so that's that's where basically Dayton Skywarn uh, uh, niche was. Was uh, born. It was born, yeah. Mm-hmm. Initiated, born. <laughs> yeah. Well, Don, I think it was really, really neat to be able to talk to you. I think whether you are listening from the Dayton area or from another state, um, the Skywarn Network is very powerful. You know, you guys operating those ham radios, it, it's it's big stuff. They're working with the National Weather Service, not only in Ohio, but across the country. And then, you know, to become a trained storm spotter, anyone can do it. It's definitely worth the time, I think. Mm, I agree. And the training, like you said, whether or not you're going to be that person that reports what's going on, mm-hmm. um, if you're someone's just fearful of thunderstorms right. maybe you, you have, have a child knowledge. that for some reason is gets very nervous every time they hear a rumble of thunder or lightning um if they're old enough and can understand you know i think a, a grade level of second third grade yeah. may even be able to take them to this and give them a little bit more of understanding of what the process is of weather and yeah. that it, you don't always have to be scared yes exactly and it kind of gets it gets you involved um you know, in the process of understanding what to look for and why why the Weather Service is issuing the warnings they're issuing, why me, us in the media mm-hmm. are talking about a storm and not talking about another, that kind of thing. So um, it was great to have you on, Don. We really appreciate it. Well, happy to be here. Thank you. So we everyone got to experience uh, celebrating Pie Day. Some mm-hmm. people eat pizza. Other people understand it is actually for the numerical constant, <laughs> which is Pi, 3.14, and so on and so on. I wish I could say that I memorized, like, hundreds of the numbers, but I haven't. No, 3.14. That's not that great. Not that great. <laughs> uh, remember, Pi is basically just it's the ratio of a circle circumference to its diameter. Math. Mind love blown. love math. Mind blown. Um, Pi Day is fun for a lot of math nerds because it lets people kind of talk about math and, yeah. and why it's important. And uh, for us ladies, Pi Day had another meaning, mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of pushing our movement to encourage women in STEM jobs. Yes. STEM is not like a flower stem. No, it stands for <laughs> science, technology, engineering, and math. Yes. And it's trying to promote more women to be a part of that community in mm-hmm. any facet. Right. It doesn't have to be meteorology. We're talking no. engineers, um, female women in medicine, mm-hmm. uh, mathematicians. Exactly. Scientists. You know, for so long, it's felt like such a, and it still is a male-dominated yeah. field mm-hmm. for all of those. And it's always, you know, felt as though it should be right where men should be. And, you know, yeah. women... I don't know what I don't know why a we, little more artistic, a little bit more artistic English language, yeah, and social studies and art, and and kind of the boys end up going into doing math and science and mm-hmm. and um you know it, that not everybody falls in that category. Yeah. I think I definitely when I was growing up split it. I just like to learn. Period. Yeah, um, but I do remember specifically feeling intimidated, absolutely um, in math and science because I just thought 
well, I'm smart and I like school, but I don't know if I'm good enough to do this. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to college, then I really was like, oh, I mean, I like meteorology. I've taken a few courses. I don't know if I'm smart enough to, what am I supposed to do with that? I know. And, you know, and, and thankfully I, I just held to my guns and said, no, 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 this is like one of the cool sciences I mm-hmm. want to keep learning about meteorology. But I mean, you could speak to it. Yeah. I mean, there aren't a lot of girls in your classes. <laughs> no. When I graduated from college, first of all, meteorology in my college was not a big field and no, we right, started out a few kids quite just big in general. yeah I, I feel like we had like 50 people that enrolled in that right. degree but when we graduated there was 10 wow you know and there was only three or four <laughs> girls yeah you know and yeah. I mean that's actually a good ratio I mean for yeah us. to be honest that's actually not bad you know but school. I I will chalk it up to the the men that were in the meteorology department at the time Fortunately, we're so open and so not, you know, pompous men. They really just wanted us all to be together and as a team. And we were very tight. And the women as well, you know, sometimes there is the stigma of competition. Yes, kind of being catty. Catty. And fortunately, we don't have that here. And that's why I think we're we're so great together. Um, But the girls as well, you know, supporting each other. And and that's really Mm -hmm. what it's about. Yeah, today is women or high days about women rising up but also men yes and saying hey you know we want more women to be a part of this right. field exactly whoever is whoever is interested in it uh, go ahead and do it it was really cool so we, we used the hashtag on pi day uh, which is march 14th of hashtag dress for stem mm-hmm. uh the third year that the female meteorologists so, so uh, across the country we decided as women, hey, let's make this a statement of if girls are interested in it, hey, encourage women to mm-hmm. keep going in those STEM fields. Also, it's a sign of solidarity, like you said, of, of women encouraging other women mm-hmm. um, to be successful and to follow your dreams. And it was really neat as well to see all the men do the hashtag dress yeah, for STEM. Yeah. And, 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 you know, because it is. If you're smart and you like it, do it. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. Yeah. Stay in your field. Don't be afraid when you're growing up to, mm-hmm. to yeah. push for those classes that you might be the only girl in a class but that's okay yeah it's fine it was neat it was a really really good year this year I'm happy that it's three years in running now and Mm -hmm. you know next year on Pi Day we'll do do year four and I'm seeing more and more people like it's picking up every year I I feel like it's not just about pizza day on Pi Day anymore (laughs) except people do like the pizza deals which they always have something I love pizza exactly but speaking of science yes uh, we'll transition over to astronomy Get up in the sky. Uh, so, you know, March, as we had mentioned before, it's not a bad month for stargazing, but Mm-mm. it's definitely not the best. Um, but thankfully, uh, the moon is always really great when it can help you find planets. Because there are always visible planets, either you know in the morning sky or in the yep. evening sky. But sometimes they can be hard to find if they're by themselves or if you don't have something to guide you. And so March 18th through the 20th, depending on when you're listening to this, but if you listen to it in that time frame, the moon will actually be your guide to Venus and Mercury, which is really great. It's going to be right after sunset, western horizon, so easy to just turn yourself to the west as the sun is setting, watch the sun set, and then after it does, you should be able to find the moon. It'll be above those two planets, but it's always easy to look for the moon first and then look down and find your planet. So they're not going to twinkle. They'll be really bright. Um, and they will also be close together. So there and because you go. the moon isn't full at right. this point, um, it's not going to dim, dim out. Dim it the out, planets. right? It won't. Yeah, it won't dim it out. You, you'll be able to see it. So that's something neat that you could find Venus and Mercury. Uh, that middle slash almost end of March, mm-hmm. and then um, on March seventeenth 
if you're listening before then or that's St. Patrick's Day, but it's also the day that you may be able to see the International Space Station flying over at 7.06 a.m. That's Eastern Time. Um, It passes passes by in six minutes, and six minutes is a really long time to be able to uh, see it. Yeah. And the angle of it is 50 degrees above the horizon. Just look to the west-northwest, and and you'll have a pretty good, clear view of it. Right. I mean, 50 degrees, that's actually like a pretty high above the horizon for... Yeah, if you're, you know, too close to like a wooded area, you know, you may not be able to see it. You know, you want to get out away from downtown someplace um, that has nice clearing yeah and you should be able to see it just fine now the international space station if you've never seen it, i remember the first time i saw it yeah it was so cool <laughs> uh, it just appears out of nowhere right. <laughs> and you may not see it uh, coming into view yeah but it looks like a plane but it doesn't blink Right, yeah, because like planes a, always have that like dot. That's yeah, beep, the dot that's beep. blinking next to it. Yeah. Um, you could also say it looks like a shooting star, but not as fast. It doesn't have the yeah, trail. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. So it's it's just literally like this bright dot that moves. just goes across the sky, and then at that six minute time frame around seven twelve in the morning, or right. is that seven twelve? Yeah, seven twelve yeah. in the morning, it'll just fade into the darkness. Interesting. It's just Very gone. Cool. And once again, no matter where you live, um, if you Google International Space Station view and then put your city, yeah. um, n- uh, NASA does put up. Yes. Every single city has, you could find your city and then it will give you a list of mm. when it's visible wherever you live. So this is once again just for Dayton, Ohio, and it's just for this for St. Patrick's Day, the specific day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but once again, you could find it. And see if it's visible. Of course, the higher the altitude, or the higher it is up away from the horizon, the yeah. easier it'll be for you to find. So yeah. that's just one thing, um, you know, something interesting to look in the sky. Now, we had a really good interview with Don, mm-hmm. and he talked about, um, you know, becoming a trained storm spotter from the National Weather Service. He had said that it's just really important for people to understand the difference between watches and warnings. Yeah. And so I thought that would be our great teachable moment because we yeah. have had people ask, what's the difference? Um, you know, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. So, McCall, why don't you explain the watch since that's kind of the first Yeah, phase. Watch is usually what you'll see before the warning is issued. And yeah. watch is county-based. And um, you will say a watch has been issued for Greene County, a watch has been issued for Montgomery County. This is basically just alerting the public in those areas that conditions are favorable for uh, a weather event that could right. become severe to occur. And uh, when you have severe thunderstorm watches issued or a tornado watch, it tells you, all right, let's start to take those preparations. Let's be prepared that if a warning is issued, we know where to go. We know what we need to bring with us. Yeah. And, um, you know, who... Who or who to call or where people are? You yeah, know, where's your, fam- your family? Where's is your, your family is your kid at? Playing down the street, maybe. Yeah. Hey, come home in a little bit or whatever. But yeah, that's definitely a good point. And also, it could be for winter weather. Yeah, it's not always. You know, you're going to get watches and warnings for, let's say, a winter storm watch. Yes, so that's letting you know that however many hours out the conditions are going to be favorable for rapidly mm-hmm. developing snow or high winds or ice accumulation. Those kinds of criteria. Um, I do think it's interesting, too, that the Storm Prediction Center equal or will issue the severe watches, whereas mm-hmm. the National Weather Service, uh, wherever city you're in, your office will be the ones that trigger the warning. Right. So SPC would issue the tornado watch for the countywide. Yeah. But then your specific weather service office will be the ones that are pulling the warnings and triggering the warnings. Correct. And I'm pretty sure each office can maybe go 
they could issue something if yep. they wanted to as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Special it, weather statements. Yeah, yes. But when it comes to the severe, like severe thunderstorm watch and then the severe thunderstorm and the tornado watch, the Storm Prediction Center, they'll be like monitoring kind of the broad brush, big picture view of the mm-hmm. country and be highlighting those things. A warning then, of course, as McCall had said, that's like the next step. So at that point, it's happening yeah. or it's imminent. We have a severe thunderstorm that is showing rotation, trigger the warning or yep. tornado warning. Um, for severe thunderstorm warnings just in general, it's either basically that 58 mile per hour winds are higher are imminent or occurring or hail that's an inch in diameter. So you might experience a thunderstorm that is scary, but it might not necessarily hit the criteria that the National right. Weather Service needs to trigger a severe thunderstorm warning. So just remember that as well. If you are seeing lightning and you're hearing thunder, if you're hearing thunder, you need to be going inside, mm-hmm. even if there isn't a warning because yeah. any thunderstorm is dangerous. Yeah, lightning is yeah, lightning is lightning. One lightning of the deadliest dead- forms yes. of Mother Nature. Exactly. Um, also, at that point, if you're getting a warning, you should be in your safe place or, or running down the stairs. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's the difference. The watch is like, hey, McCall, I'm coming over. The warning is McCall is I'm here. watching me open the door. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's like a way to think yeah. about it. Yeah. And, and there's, um, you know, lots of different um, watch warnings and then advisories as yes. well. Yeah. Especially with winter weather, mm-hmm. a lot of the advisories will get issued. Um, flooding can get a little confusing, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a lot of different alerts that the weather service will use. And remember, the National Weather Service is the only organization that will be issuing mm-hmm. those types of warnings. We as broadcast meteorologists cannot issue them. No. It's organized. They have specific criteria. Different offices across the country work together so that everyone kind of has that uniformed criteria that they're using. Yeah. You know? And so we're giving the same yelling. message everywhere. Yes. Now, it is different. Um and I don't know how much you want to get into this right now, but tornado sirens. Yeah. And, and I know you've done a story about mm-hmm. that. Maybe you can talk about that's not the National Weather Service. No. So that's the emergency management of cities, towns, counties. Um, not every city or town uh, will have tornado sirens anymore. Mm-hmm. Some of them, the upkeep is too expensive and they they just, they've let them go. Mm-hmm. So Yes, tornado sirens are life-saving, and if you're hearing them and you're outside, you need to take them seriously, but you also need to make sure that you have that portable, your cell phone at this point, um, to make sure that you're alerted if you're inside. Because also think about it as well, when I talked to uh, an EMA director about tornado sirens, um, you know, they're great in rural communities, they're great if you're outside, but if you're inside, you might not necessarily hear a tornado siren that's not really, I guess, what they were kind of designated yeah. for. Yeah. Um, so that can get a little, you know, you just want to make sure that you personally take responsibility to have something that will alert you. And now the National Weather Service will push those emergency text yeah, alerts you'll get those. based on where you live. Um, our WHI weather app will do it based on your location. Yeah, GPS, as long as you GP- have that GPS yes. tracker on. Then you'll be getting those. So at this point, with technology the way it is, thank God um, that you know, your pocket device can also like, you know, mm-hmm. save your life, not to get cheesy, but yeah, it but can. it can. I mean, and and not to 
toot our horn, but to toot our horn a little bit. Um, <laughs> toot, toot. Toot, toot. Our app also has lightning detection. For free. For free. Yes. Um, and in the app, it'll tell you if there's a storm with lightning headed yes. your way. So, I mean, it doesn't it's, even have to be a severe thunderstorm. Like we said, lightning is so dangerous. It's so dangerous. Especially when we get in the spring and summer months right, and you're you outside. pop-up storms and it's sunny where you're living and yeah. then like five miles down the road, there's a storm. You're swimming in the pool. Yes. You're out doing any type of activity. Yeah. You know, headed indoors. If you can hear a rumble of thunder, you're close enough to be struck, struck by, by lightning. lightning. And Agreed. that may sound crazy, but it's... It's true. It's true. I mean, not to be extreme, but it's definitely err on the side of caution. Yeah, and we'll talk more and more about severe weather as yeah, we get into the season. Exactly. Podcast after podcast, we'll pick different uh, topics and make sure we keep hitting that for you. But once again, this is has been an episode of our Cloudy with a Chance of podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you can listen to us if you found us. Maybe you're listening to us on Apple iTunes. You can also listen on WHIO.com, um, Stitcher, as well as Google Play if you have an Android mm-hmm. phone. Don't forget to like um, McCall and I yes. on, uh, on Facebook. You could search our names. Also, if you wouldn't mind rating our podcast on uh, Apple iTunes and Google Play, leave us a review. McCall's mentioned this before, but um, if you want to send us an email, we've gotten a few emails. Yeah. We loved that. We do love it. It helps us to, you know, make sure we're talking to you guys about what you want to know about. Exactly. That's exciting. And uh, before we go, uh, I just want to give a little promotion ahead to the fact that our next guest yes. in our next episode is going to be Gabrielle Enright. For those of us that are local, we know who she is. She's yes. you know been in our community and on air for many, many years. Um, reporter for WHIO, but is someone that has gone to several different weather events. Yeah. Uh, Hurricane Big, Harvey, yeah. Hurricane Irene, Hurricane Ike, and she's got some really great experiences that she's going to talk about. 